If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. The trials and challenges of life take their toll on every couple. But you refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. You long for a deep, fierce love, the stuff of legends. This is your life and your marriage. This is the legacy you will be remembered for. So we're on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. This is episode 47 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast, and we are your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. This is the podcast for couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. Yeah, each week we're bringing you inspiration, encouragement, practical ideas, and of course, a challenge that will help you build more intimacy and connection in your marriage. And we'll have a whole lot of fun and laughter along the way. Let's get started. Well, um, so this week... That was a fun let's get started. I know. I feel like we're a little goofy. It's Friday night. We're just getting the goof out. And um, it's so Friday night. You're getting the goof out. That's not how the song goes. I think it's some raunchy song, honey. So uh, I wouldn't okay. really go into all that. Know. But um, tonight we have Christina Bailey on the show. And she is talking about uh, people living a career lifestyle. We are there are traveling constantly. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because you and I are both extroverts. And so um, I'm just curious. She said she kind of loves the quiet time when she gets to be by herself for weeks at a time. I think you and I would go nuts doing that. Uh, like You keep telling yourself that, honey. Would you like to be without me for two weeks at a time? I, I'm not saying I want to. I'm saying there's there's a high degree of enjoyment to you know me what? being alone. Sometimes there's... I, I didn't used to be okay with being alone. To really? Be, to be really honest. Um, what changed? Uh... I think just the seasons of life and a, and a comfort in my own skin as I as I came to understand who I am, like my identity and everything, and and just I've I've come into a, a comfort in my own skin in the last few years. And I think I enjoy alone time more that we now that we have kids. Sure. Like I was never a person before that enjoyed alone time, but I can get with the introvert thing once in a while. Well, I can appreciate alone it. time and introvert thing aren't the same thing. Well, but yeah. Yeah, I guess. But I do like to be by myself and eat fried chicken. Always the fried chicken thing. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. And you know what? So Christina, in the interview, she talks about how she like basically encourages her husband to do something that makes him like feel alive. Yeah. And, to do work um, that he loves. Yeah. But it's something that's kind of dangerous. And that made me really think of how in the beginning, I really didn't like you riding riding motorcycles. Yeah. And now I just know that that's something that makes you come alive. But you've recently talked about maybe not doing the motorcycle thing. Yeah, anymore. I don't do it really much anymore. And I, I don't know. I, I think that season, like there's there's a certain degree of releasing it, the idea and everything. And you know what? It's weird. I think, I think like I don't have a car right now. Because we just yeah. don't really need a second vehicle. Yeah. And, um, I, but I've been thinking about uh, a car. Like, I want to get a, an old beater Jeep Wrangler or something, something like that. Something where the wind can fly through your hair. Something convertible and, you know, oh, I'm I not could, exactly a Miata kind of guy. I could get down with a convertible kind of a thing. Well, that's what a Wrangler is. But can the girls and I go in it too? Yeah. Ooh, I like it. It's a four-door convertible. Yeah, that's why I like it. I love that's it. Let's like let's it. do that. Yeah, we'll see. 
All right, so um, we wanted to take a minute again to just take a time out and say, uh, we love doing this show, and we hear these stories every now and then of couples who have found the show someplace, and uh, some one of you have shared it with them, and it's made a difference in their marriage and in their family. And so we want to help more couples, and the best way you can help us do that, you can be a part of that story, is by heading over to iTunes and do a subscribe rate and review the show. Please give us five stars. I, I'm good with anything ding, ding, over four. Ding, ding, ding. No, I'm good with five. Which is over four. I guess that's true. <laughs> so, to, All right. so today on the show, we have Christina Bailey. So Christina and her husband, Jeff, they live apart for two weeks at a time. And it just keeps repeating and repeating due to Jeff's career as a helicopter pilot. And she just shares with us the ups and downs of living in a life that constantly swings back and forth from independence and quiet moments to living life together and depending on each other. Um, Christina is a coach and Jeff, her husband, is a helicopter pilot and they have two amazing kids and they live nestled in the Rocky Mountains just outside of Denver in a little town called Conifer, Colorado. You know what is... So Christina, we know her through coaching. Yeah. You are part of a coaching cohort with her and I'm in a different coaching capacity with her. And the only one time that I've met her in person... It was just like, she is the most chill mountain person. Yes. It's like she embodies the relaxation of the mountain lifestyle. Like the Colorado life, she's all about it. Like yes. we go there and we're all geeked out. Like, it's Colorado. Look at the mountains. It's so pretty. And she's like, dude, this is my life. Like, yeah. it's chill here. Yeah. <laughs> Christine, is a re- she has just a very chill personality, but she can be really... Uh, powerfully intense in yeah. in great ways, and she's got a, a really dry, really wonderful sense of humor. I love it, and you're gonna see it in the in the interview, and I think you all are gonna love it. Yeah, so we're so thankful to have her on the show today. Welcome, Christina Bailey. All right, so we are joined on the podcast today by Christina Bailey, a professional coach, leadership coach, and all-around awesome lady, <laughs> a wife of Jeff, and she's they've been married for 27 years. I know, crazy. Yes, and have a 21-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son and reside in a beautiful mountain town in Colorado. Now, first of all, yeah, yeah, hold on. We have to say that we have a crush on where you live. Like we have a Colorado <laughs> a crush. Bit of envy. Yeah, we have a Colorado crush. Yeah. And I was checking out your Instagram feed this morning and I was oh, checking out at all the beautiful like seasonal shots that you mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. of beautiful Colorado. So what's your favorite season in Colorado? Well, I have to say, I love winter. Um, We lived in Arizona for 22 years, and I thought I was going to dry up and die in the desert. So for me to be able to experience being on the mountain and have winter, I still love it. I love it, love it, love it. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, so your husband, Jeff, y'all have been married for 27 years. Uh What, What made you fall in love with Jeff? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) After 27 years, it's good to go back and look at that question. Um, So 
What was kind of fun was going back and realizing, you know, Jeff and I met on a flight from New York to London. And actually, more specifically, we met after the flight. So that was back in the younger years when we both worked for the airlines. We were flight attendants and the crew got together, went to the Hard Rock Cafe in London and went out dancing afterwards. And Jeff and I hit it off and that's how it started. So, Wow. So he was a good dancer. Is that what I'm hearing? That's exactly what you're hearing. That would have just killed it right there. So. (laughs) (laughs) So travel was a part of your life together right from the beginning. It was. And um, I had kind of forgotten that because um, eventually we settled down into normal life and started having a family. And and I had forgotten that we had started with a life of travel. So it hasn't always been the case in our marriage, but it did start off that way. And we're back there again. So is he still with airlines? No. So um, the story continued when we um, were flight attendants. We transitioned into, he went into management. I went into the training center. Um, The company reached a point where they were laying people off. And we just decided, you know, we don't want to be stuck in a town where there's a bunch of laid off flight attendants. It's time to move on. And so that's when we relocated to Arizona and started working. real jobs. Jeff went into real estate. And um, (laughs) I was fascinated by the um, travel lifestyle. And I thought, well, is he still part of the uh, airline industry? But really, I mean, how did you settle into we know that he travels every Uh week, and you're Uh left basically by yourself with the kiddos. And I'm wondering, um, what is, how did you establish travel as just a normal rhythm where he's going to be gone and you're going to be home? Right. Thank you for redirecting me. Cause I know I was going somewhere with the story. Um, basically we reached a point where Jeff had been doing real estate dutifully. Um, but it was not a passion. It was not in his heart and you could see the wear and tear on him over the years. Um, didn't complain about it, but just, it just wasn't him. And about the time that I went into coaching, he came across some advertising and marketing for becoming a helicopter pilot. And, um, that really awakened his heart. But as I watched him look at that information, he would get all excited and giggle like a little kid. And then he would shut down. And I was like, so what is that? You know, in my coaching experience, I'm like, what is going on over there? And basically it was just the, the passion and desire to want to learn how to fly. But the responsibility of being a husband and a father and thinking that can't happen. And so together we wrestled through that question and for him to be alive and inside was way more important than um, the security and known element of real estate. And so he transitioned into the training center to become a helicopter pilot. And that took about a year and a half. And then when he started actually flying it meant being away from home. So he started at the Grand Canyon doing tours and that was a week away and a week home. And now he's on a two week off, two week on schedule working for 
um, Arivac Medical Services, where he flies the helicopter with a nurse and a paramedic for airlift rescue for people. Wow. Like, I feel That's like, um, I think there's probably a lot of people out here that are envious. They're like, man, he's like living the life. <laughs> yes. It, it suits him. It suits him perfectly. Now I just have to say, I had the the privilege of meeting Jeff and hanging with him at a Braveheart is weekend. He, he must be pretty cool. He, he is an amazing guy. <laughs> he is you. an amazing man. Absolutely. Thank you. And so how did it look like in the beginning when you first started the traveling rhythm? Well, the kiddos were younger there because this has been about eight years. Um, so it was a little messy because it was a lot for me to balance when he was gone. Um, but there was also so much mayhem with just the daily stuff that has to get done. Um, that we just kind of rolled with it and didn't overthink things. But as the kids have gotten older and it's become more of, um, how does this impact Jeff and I, we've had to look at some of the behaviors, some of the things that show up, some of the struggles that happen. Um, but initially it was all just kind of, whoa, okay, here we go. And let's just get through it. So. Yeah. Did you ever anticipate that this was going to be the schedule forever and ever? You know, I didn't really think through that real well when I um, <laughs> encouraged him to follow his heart. There's been a number of times I've been like, what did I do? But um, it is so well suited to who he is and he loves what he does. And that goes a long way, not just for him, but for all of us. So. What were the biggest challenges that your kids were facing with dad being gone so often? You know, I think you'd have to ask, especially the older one, um, because it was a tough time of life for her when he was starting to be gone. Um, so I'm sure there's some messages that she took on with dad not being around. But now that she's 21, those have all been worked through and um, the reality and the truth of, you know, dad's doing this on our behalf um, to support us. And um, it's a sacrifice, actually, for him to be away. It's not that he's, I mean, he loves what he does, but it is hard for him to be away. And that's been an important message to communicate to them. So it yeah. sounds to me like you're almost living like two different lives, like <laughs> the life when he's there, the life yep. when he's not there. So what do those transitions look like? When he's like, he's coming home, like, do yeah. you have a protocol or reassimilation yeah. procedure? Protocol. <laughs> you are now welcome in this household. Actually, <laughs> protocol and reassimilation are not <laughs> bad words for the process. Yeah. Um, it is like living two different lives. Um, when Jeff is gone, I, I have to step up. You know, especially living on the mountain, I can't wait two weeks to shovel snow off the drive and all those things. So we just learn, especially my son and I, my daughter um, is currently not at home, but um, we just get it done. And so there is an independence that kicks in and a rhythm that we have. And when Jeff comes home, it changes because his his presence, his energy, his demeanor is different than mine. And so it shifts the system. And so it's kind of jarring on this end, but it's also jarring on his end as well. So it's um, the re-entry is the hardest part 
because he's been away. Life has gone on. It's kind of like a moving train that he's trying to jump onto. And we're trying to help him to catch up and keep up. Um, so it's a little funky. So the reassimilation process is I, I have to take a breath and make space for him to come back in. Um, I have to relinquish being the only parent and to allow space for him to come in as dad and the head of the household. And so that sometimes takes a lot of kind of recalibrating and rolling things back so that he can step in. Yeah. You had mentioned that y'all have just gotten really good at the whole communication thing. Can Mm -hmm. you speak to that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there are so many nuances to what needs to be communicated. So number one, when he's gone, um, his dynamic is like being in a fire station where he is at a base waiting for an emergency call. So sometimes he's flying a lot and sometimes he's sitting around. And those times when he is sitting around missing us, knowing our life is going on, those times are hard for him. And it's important for him to feel a part of the family still. So it's important when he's gone for me to be communicating what's going on at home. Um, And it's also important for us to identify and communicate what's going on for us individually, what insecurities show up, what concerns we have. Um, When we collide when he comes home, uh, we got to talk through what what was that <laughs> and what's underneath that instead of just saying, you're being really bizarre. You know, it's kind of like, okay, so what is that? And to communicate um, what he needs when he comes home to feel connected and for me to be able to communicate, I've had a ton of space for two weeks. I need to warm up to you in the room again. And so if we don't talk about it, it's just a lot of funky dynamics in the space that never get resolved. Yeah. Yeah, And I imagine there's got to be little things that are in your head that little voices that say like, you know, maybe you haven't heard from him in a couple of days because Mm -hmm. he's been super busy and you're like, oh, he's forgotten about us. Or, (laughs) you know, have you ever had those little voices that kind of speak into your relationship? Actually, that's more the voices that show up for him Mm. Um, because especially when he's in an environment where things are still and not happening and that leaves room to wonder and it it leaves him wanting to talk to me more. And um, our life continues here. There's still schedule for my son, still work that I'm doing. And so I'm not always able to just sit and chat with him on the phone the times when he wants to. And so I think those voices show up for him. So it's really important for me to be sensitive to that. Um, Because when there's too much silence, you make up what's in between. Yeah. I'm curious, like understanding his, his role is so responsive to the demands, whether there is or there isn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some of the modes that you guys use to, to keep in touch? Like, is it phone, text, Facebook, or FaceTime, things like that? Yeah, it's pretty much phone and text. Um, We tried doing the FaceTime thing, tried doing the Skype thing um, at the different bases that he goes to because he fills in the gaps in different places or opens up new bases. So he's never in the same place at the same time. Um, So some of the connection isn't real good. And then that gets irritating when you, you, there's a delay or you can't communicate. And that just adds to the aggravation instead of um, just the ease of talking by phone or by text. 
Yeah. Do you ever have that feeling where you're just um, feeling like you're not connected? You're just living two separate lives and you're like, why are we doing this? (laughs) Yeah, we do. And that's when he gets home, that's kind of that place of um, we really need to reconnect. Mm -hmm. And I try to make sure that there's nothing on my plate the day he gets home so that he can have that full on attention so that we can overcome some of that. Because there are some times when he's away where we're just going opposite directions. And if I need to travel on business or anything like that, it has to be scheduled when he's home, which means we miss each other. He comes home, I say hello, and then I have to leave. Um, so that gets, it gets kind of tricky. Um, so it's valuing each other when we do have the time and creating the space to allow it to happen. Okay, Christina. So I'm sure our listeners want to know this. <laughs> um, so he's gone for two weeks at a time. How mm-hmm. do you handle the whole sex thing, physical intimacy, where you just... <laughs> Pretty sure it works the same way. Well, <laughs> well, I don't know. So how do y'all handle that? That's got to be a challenge. You know, it's one of those things that's tricky in any relationship. That's a topic that can be um, pretty sensitive for people. And I don't think any couple can fit into any nice, neat little package of how you navigate it. Um, So in a relationship where there is that much travel, um, there is one of the kind of generalities of men and women that we actually do fall into. And that is uh, that men typically need the physical intimacy in order to feel emotionally connected and that women need to feel emotionally connected before they want to move towards physical intimacy. So that is kind of a stereotype, but it does fit us. And so we've had to work through which comes first? <laughs> do we do we meet his need first and then have emotional connection? Or do we give it some time first for me to warm up to him in the space and feel connected first before we go there so that no resentment builds up? Um, so it has been one of those things that we've had to kind of fine tune. Um, we've gone from I don't even want to talk about it for the first 48 hours, just, you know, come home and (laughs) be a part of the space to um, what we've landed on now is arranging ahead of time when to expect. And so it it actually gets scheduled in, which is helpful for him because the pressure's off of him and it's helpful for me and it gives us time to actually um, just be in the space with each other and appreciate who each other is first instead of just going all right here we go yeah yeah thanks for sharing that with us that's really good uh you know the schedule thing i'm sure a lot of couples have tried that in the past Mm -hmm. and they're like well that feels so weird to put it on the Mm -hmm. calendar but like you said you know it takes a lot of the pressure off and something to look forward to it does because what we found is if, if we didn't talk about it ahead of time it it lingers in the space and it gets in the way and it just makes, makes it even more messy. So to just name it up front um, has helped us. So it's amazing how, how much complexity happens in the unsaid. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how simple <laughs> it really is like, Hey, I want this, you want this. Okay. And, and to have a simple 
thing like a schedule really removes. Yeah, I love so how you're just that. saying, just talk about it, put it on the calendar and make it yeah. happen. I love it. Yeah. Well, because like I said, if you don't talk about it, it becomes bigger than it really is. And and every couple's different with what their need is. And um, it's going to be up to them to decide together what works. And we had to bounce around with a lot of different options before we finally found a system that helps us. So, Yeah. Great system. All right. So now he's traveling all the time. He's, you know, up in the air and, you know, mm-hmm. you have to be a flight attendant. What does travel look like for fun in your family or do you even travel? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, during the summer, we usually do. We have family that's in Montana and Washington. So every summer we do kind of a big, big loop of travel. Um which she's usually there to be a part of for part of the time and then has to head back to work. And then we, my son and I finish it out on our own, but on an ongoing basis, um, quite frankly, where we live is such a joy for us. And he's been away from it for two weeks that when he comes home, um, this is a respite and a treat for him. And so it's really important for him and enjoyable for him just to, be here. Um, so we haven't done a lot of personal travel together. We did, we did take a trip to Mexico this summer. So that was fun. And, um, so we fit it in here and there, but on an ongoing basis, this is a huge respite for him when he comes home and, uh, needs to be kind of grounded and, and it's a great place to be. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I'm so curious about that. Like I am, I'm a total neat freak and Danielle is not. <laughs> not so much. Really? Hmm. That, like I know even just going away to a retreat or something for, for a few days or a week, mm-hmm. when I come home, like uh, part of that respite for me is, is how our environment physically is. And I'm mm-hmm. curious about that. Of what kind of <laughs> you all have there? Yeah, so you and Jeff have a lot in common. We'll just say that. <laughs> and uh, Danielle and I might have a few things in common there. Um, Jeff is a is a person who notices detail. So when things are out of place, that's one of the first things he'll see. And um, I have had to learn not to get defensive about that um, and just recognize that for his own sense of peace, things need to be in order. Um, So part of the prepping for him to return is looking around and trying to see the home in the way that he will see it when he comes home. Um, I used to put a lot of pressure on myself, though, to the point where I was so panicked and, ah, Jeff's coming home, oh, no, that it just undermined all the dynamics that were good for us. And so I've learned to relax with that. I do what I can. I take a glance around. I try to see it from his perspective. Um, But I know that he's going to come in and see something I didn't see, and I just have to allow him the space to come in and reorder because it's his way of resetting peace for himself. Um, If there's something I didn't get to before I go get him at the airport, I've also learned that's another piece to communicate. So when you get home, you will notice X, Y, and Z, (laughs) and I'm sorry, and I'm just giving you a heads up. And so that helps him not feel so chaotic when he walks in. I love you touch on it's, it's him bringing some order back to the space is a part of him reintegrating into the space. Mm-hmm. 
And if I yeah. can notice that for myself, mm-hmm. um, I, at, at first when I would travel and come back, yeah, I would kind of project all kinds of criticism <laughs> and stuff at Danielle. Yeah. Yeah. And then and I'm I, like, just look at me. Aren't you happy exactly. to see my smiling face? Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and I did come to a similar place like, okay, it's it's part of me mm-hmm. coming back into the space. To Yeah. There are things that I do, rituals that I do mm-hmm. that, that are reintegrative. Yep. And I know, um, Christina, you have spoken about just being proactive. Yes. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so for me, proactive is um, thinking ahead, being intentional, and taking some action to prevent what otherwise is just going to happen and you're just going to react to. And so it's been, it's been years of noticing where we react towards each other over things and then learning from that and just putting some effort in in advance to um, kind of control it. Um, to create some order or to minimize a potential impact so that um, we don't just react. Because in the past, you know, using the, de- the example we, we just had, if, if the house wasn't the way that was comfortable for Jeff, um, and if I hadn't been proactive about trying to um, help minimize that chaos for him, um, then I'd get upset if he came home and he was annoyed. And so managing that ahead of time means I'm going to honor and respect the fact he needs a little more peace. And these are the things that I now know will help contribute to that. So these are the things I'll make sure get done. Or communicating with him, you know, what are the key things for you when you come home that put you at peace? And so that's what being proactive is, rather than just letting things happen and then each other being stressed or annoyed with each other in the process. This episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Through Every Storm campaign. The recent hurricanes got us thinking storms do come along. I mean, physical storms like Harvey and Irma, but also relational storms. Yeah. And in either case, preparation is key. The best time to prepare for a storm is when it hasn't hit yet, before there's even a cloud in the sky. And it's even possible to prepare for storms in your marriage. Yeah, when we first got married, I felt like we were always in reactive mode. Like any little bump in the road caused us to be caught off guard. For us, it was a career shift. It was a total catastrophe. We'd pump the drama up to 11, yell the roof off the joint, or, you know, just walk on eggshells trying to avoid any real interaction. And then we found some tools that really worked for us. And those tools gave us a way to be proactive instead of reactive, to start using simple ways to listen and to be heard and to seek the heart of each other. So we've created a brand new free resource for families, the Legendary Marriage Family Emergency Plan. So we share some tools that will get your marriage prepared for the storms that come along. Yeah, whether it's the weather outside or the clouds that are gathering in your bedroom, the Family Emergency Plan will give you the tools to have some powerful conversations that'll get you on the same page. And as a bonus, we're going to include an emergency supplies list to get your home prepared for the next storm. This is a resource that we think every family should have for the conversational aspect, but because there are some real practical, tangible resources there to help you be prepared in the case of an emergency. And now back to part two of our interview with Christina Bailey. 
I think it's important to note as I talk about what's worked for us or what is working for us, just to recognize that marriage is messy and it can be challenging at times. And the truth is that now I've been married to Jeff longer than I've lived without him. Um, So we've been at this for a while um, and we still don't always get it right. We're still trying to figure it out. So um, one thing to keep in mind is when I talk about especially being proactive and the things that I'm doing and looking, trying to look at things through Jeff's eyes, um, that's just the stage of development that I'm in. That's kind of my growth point to work on. But um, there were plenty of steps that had to lead up to where I can do that. Um, I had to learn to recognize and notice for myself where the impact was affecting me and to learn to speak up and to uh, learn to say it respectfully or in a way that he could hear it and to be able to kind of stand up for myself and ask for what I need as well. So um, it really comes down to where you are in your own story in your marriage and what are... Yeah, I can imagine there would be just points where you're just like, I don't know what it is, but this just doesn't feel right, or it feels yucky, or I don't like it, but I don't know what it is. Right, right. So it's a place of learning to notice that that's happening in yourself, and pausing, and pulling back, and trying to see what's underneath that feeling. Like, what triggered it? Um, Is there a tone of voice that starts it? Is there a behavior Um, that starts to trigger that and look at what are the messages you're telling yourself and what started it and kind of begin to name, oh, this is, this is what is getting me all riled up. This is my reaction point. So in order to be proactive, let's try it this way. So um, wherever you are in your story, just notice where the reactions happen and um, begin to have the conversations and redesigning how to do it differently. So. I think it's a really good point too, is like in anything, when you notice something strange popping up, be crazy curious. Yeah. Maybe even just about yourself. Exactly. Uh, or if it's about your mate, because sometimes I don't even understand what's going on in my own mind. But if I just take a moment to like get curious and go, huh, what is that about? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a weird thing where you just, you want to know yourself and you think you should always be the expert on yourself, but sometimes it takes a few moments just to dial into that. It does. It does. Cause we react first. I mean, that's normal to just react mm-hmm. first. Um, but if we can pause and go, wait, what is that? And what's really going on here and kind of dial it back a few steps and then enter in with a little more intention on, okay, I just need to take a breath and uh, bite my tongue for a minute and reframe it in my head here before mm-hmm. I speak to it. So I think that's the main thing is to just not, I didn't want the last um, bit that we talked about to be all about just sacrifice everything that's true for you for the sake of your spouse, because that just leads to dysfunction and resentment and suppression and all kinds of stuff that makes the marriage even more. Fun. What I what I really hear you saying is it's for the good of the team that you're really putting all this intention into it. It's not right. in order to be selfless or selfish. It's right. for the good of the team. Exactly. Exactly. It's just working together and being honest about what's here 
and Mm -hmm. trying to do it in a way that you don't get defensive about it or shut down by it. But you got to do it at the pace that your relationship um, can digest it. Yeah. Um, Just one little step at a time. So good luck. And you can do it. I know sometimes when Justin's traveling and then he's home for like a couple days and then he leaves again and, you know, inevitably there are some conflicts that come up and, you know, sometimes it gets, you know, sometimes conflicts get blown out of proportion and you're like, Mm -hmm. you were only home for two days and we (laughs) fought when you were home. Like what a waste. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It can happen. Um, So I'm wondering, are there any perks of having a traveling husband? Yeah. Well, for one, as I kind of alluded to before, um, when Jeff is gone, I need to step up. And so one of the things has been, I am a stronger person. Um, I am more independent and more capable in some areas than I would have been um, if he were here all the time. And so uh, there's a confidence that comes with that. I think, you know, one of the things that Jeff and I really do communicate is, this sense of risk that's associated with flying helicopters. And um, from the very beginning, even when he started training, we communicated, um, we wanted to clear the air in case that was the day something happened. Um, And so all that to say is that I've developed a sense of strength and capacity that gives me a um, kind of a piece that if anything ever should happen, I've been strengthened in ways that I wouldn't have been if he were here all the time. Um, so that's, that's one of the things, because we really hold seriously the fact that, you know, anything can happen to any of us at any time, but that industry in particular makes us more sensitive to that. And so um, I have developed more strength and independence um, with him being gone. And the, I guess the other thing is, is that, in every marriage, you have shared values. You know, you have things that you're both totally in alignment with and you both share, but you also have your own personal values. You have things that are essential and important to your sense of um, balance that your spouse doesn't. And one for me is spaciousness. I need a lot of breathing room. I like time alone. I like quiet time. And um, that's a real treat to me when he's gone. So I, I can embrace that value And then I am actually more filled up and equipped to be there to partner with him when he comes home. Hopefully when he comes home, you're not like, and I need another week to myself. (laughs) Well, those weeks (laughs) happen and it comes back to talking about it and going, I love you. And I didn't get enough breathing room this week. And also, um, how old is your son's 13, right? He's 13. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, it's hard raising a 13 year old. Sometimes I'm sure you're like, okay, you're the only parent now for a couple days and I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's some of that. There's some of that, you know, at 13 with a son, it's actually less difficult than 13 with our daughter was. Um, but it's also, he's a son who hasn't had his father for two weeks. And so a lot of it is um, encouraging the two of them to spend time together for their sake. And it is okay for me too. <laughs> when justin's gone i like to eat fried chicken for dinner which he's under the mistaken (laughs) assumption that i don't like Um, 
there, there's something important that that we've kind of skirted, and it is the notion of of personal boundaries mm-hmm. of having mm-hmm. a healthy balance there. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like there's there's something built into the rhythm that you and Jeff have created that uh, really actually empowers that rather than than depowers it. Yeah, and that's come with effort and intention. And it's come with um, a lot of self-awareness, you know, needing to stop and look at what's going on for myself and noticing what's going on in him and being able to have the hard conversations that say, this is what's happening for me and this is what's important and this is what I need. And please don't take it the wrong way because this is an essential part of really what I need right now. And then he gets the chance to say the same. And sometimes they are in conflict with each other and you got to wrestle through that. Um, so it's come with really a, a high regard for each other as, as people and really looking to what's important to each person and identifying where we're in conflict on that and trying to find a way to help each other. Um, have those needs met, but also be able to say, I just can't go there right now because this is depleted. So it takes a lot of self-awareness. It takes a lot of effort to communicate. It's tiring, but it, it creates a rhythm that um, overall is healthier. So I hear you saying just a lot of the blessings that come along with the rhythm that y'all have established. Is there anything mm-hmm. that you look at and you're like, man, I really miss this, or I wish our lives could be a little bit different and have some more of this. When you get into that rhythm, after you've gone through the bumpy, turbulent landing <laughs> and you're used to each other in the space again, and then you find that ease, um, it's sometimes then is disappointing when you go through the other end and things are packing up and leaving again. So I, I do sometimes miss that middle ground of that constant ease. And I do recall life when we were home all the time together and life isn't always easy, but um, sometimes the, the up and down and up and down just gets tiring. And if you just had a consistency across the board, sometimes I wonder if communication would be easier or if we'd stop communicating or if it would somehow become harder. But, um, but there is something about that middle ground that's appealing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so obviously you're on the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Yes. So what would you say to our listeners? What do you think it takes to build a legendary marriage? You know, <laughs> other than all, all the awesome nuggets that you've already dropped for us. Um, it comes back to what I've kind of woven throughout. And that's number one, a high regard for each other as people and not just as the person who's there to meet your needs, but looking at what's important to them as an individual and um, holding that, but also the depth of conversation and quality of conversation, uh, because that sets, that sets the framework for building trust, for affirming each other, for how you talk to each other, how you talk about each other. Um, I think that's really essential for, because when you look at a legendary marriage, I think of, oh, okay, so what is admirable about that marriage? And I think when you look at a couple and you go, wow, 
that's incredible. I think it, I think you're seeing the result of that level of high regard and depth and quality of communication and it's showing in other ways, but I think it starts there. Yeah. And I love the, um, probably just the unique perspective that y'all have on communication because your um, conversations are precious because mm-hmm. sometimes we can just get and uh, taking each other for granted and, you know, our conversations are throwaways or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but y'all make time to have a phone conversation, you know, re-entry mm-hmm. when you get home and all that. Yeah. So you don't want to waste any precious time that you have together. So I love that. Yeah. Well, and don't get me wrong. Our phone conversations when he's gone are sometimes jarred and short and just a bunch of data of this is what happened. But it's that time in person when he's home where we really try to um, honor the depth of communication of what needs to be said in order to keep the space clear. I'm sure our um, listeners are noticing the wisdom of Ms. Christina Bailey and wondering, well, the the coach in her is really coming out there. So can you just briefly tell me just a little bit about your um, coaching that you do? And, you know, I hear you have a little bit of an offer for our listeners. Yeah. So um, the coaching that I do, I do both individual coaching and um, also group dynamic work. But when it comes to working with individuals, it's really partnering with them to help them in their own self-awareness. And that helps them then identify what are the obstacles, what are the struggles, what are the values that aren't being met. So it's all of the questions we don't think to ask ourselves that partnering with a coach just helps you uncover more of what's going on in your own world so that you can move forward more proactively and create positive change for yourself. And so um, that's usually a one-on-one conversation by phone and it's highly confidential and it's full of grace, but really um, wanting to draw out the best in people and for people. And so the special offer is just, if if you want to explore the possibility of coaching and feel it would be helpful for you, if you mention the legendary podcast, there's a grace rate that applies Um, and we can talk about that if you have interest. All right. Wonderful. And Christina, you're also on Facebook, Instagram. Tell us how we can find you. (laughs) And we'll include it all in the show notes so that we can have the right links and everything. Included in the show notes, because I'm not sure I have it all on top of my head, but I do have, I am on Instagram and um, yeah, I'm going to let you put it in the show notes because I don't have that in front of me. I'm sorry, but. And ChristinaBailey.com. Yes. ChristinaBailey.com. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today, Christina. Thanks, you guys. So since we've recorded this interview, um, Christina's words about thinking of things from Jeff's perspective and how he's feeling and how he's finding things really is something that is bringing an awareness to me. Like she said, think of how he's going to find the house or the kids when he gets back. Or um, when she's talking to him on the phone and, you know, maybe he hasn't had many calls the past couple of days. Just think of things from his perspective. It's like he's lonely and kind of out of touch with you and just wants, you know, some real connection. I was really thinking about that even when we go in and out of the house for the day. Like we both work from home. And so we're constantly, somebody's in, somebody's out, somebody's in, somebody's out. And inevitably I'm back with the girls and they make a giant 
mess of the house. And I'm like, Justin's had a long day. Do I really want him to come back and find, not out of any like obligatory, like I'm a little barefoot woman and I need to clean up my house, you know, not out of that, but just out of loving you well, like you don't want to come home to a crap show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I resonated with, with all of that. Um, And I think it's, it's, for me, it's, it's almost a necessity like every bit of clutter and distraction, like the office right now, as often is the case, it's very cluttery. And it, it just, it like clutters up my brain. It clutters mm. up my soul in a way. And so I, I totally get that. And, I, you know, I, I can't, I, I've struggled in the past to, with the expectation that you're supposed to like make everything nice and purdy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, I pretty consistently fall short of that. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. But you know what else I love that she said because he has such a dangerous job that they never left leave anything unsaid. Like yes. they always hang up the phone with like, "I love you," and if anything would ever happen to you, like we're always on great terms, and there's never yeah. left you know something that oh I wish I would have said this. And that's something that so few couples really get. Hmm. That when, I, when I'm working with couples and they're like, oh, uh, we've got this stuff going on and we, we go through the clearing process when we talk about clear everything, mm-hmm. like whatever is going on in the relationship, clear it like forgiveness, you know, the whole thing, mm-hmm. clear everything. They look at me like, well, what? Like, really? Yes. Because it matters. Not, not just because you don't know when your time is up. Right. But because every little thing that we leave there is fodder for bitterness and resentment. True. All right. So here's the challenge this week. Don't leave anything unsaid. You know, say that thing that's in your heart that you so much care about your spouse. Be grateful. Say something very sweet to him or her. um, When you leave for the day. Yeah. All right. Then join in the conversation on our free community on Facebook. It's a private group for men and women to support, encourage, inspire, and share the stories uh, of transforming their marriage from ordinary to legendary. Just search for Legendary Marriage Group or visit www.legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash zero four seven. Don't forget to jump on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary.